0: and welcome to the Darth Souls podcast. It's episode number 43 and who else would I have here for this momentous occasion other than Mr. Christopher Bratt? I
1: demanded that for the 43rd episode I'd be in attendance. You did, you've
0: been leaving very, very firm <laughs> messages on my answering machine for
1: months. Can I uh, Can I start the podcast off with a hard truth? Matt sure. I want to drop something. So, Whoa. So today is, I don't know when this is going live, but today was the, the reveal of the Fallout 4 trailer. Yes, and it's all very exciting. It's more Fallout. It's got a dog in it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, Ace. It's not exactly XCOM two, though, is it? It's if not XCOM honest. two. If we're no. completely honest, this is going to be an unusual episode because
0: usually the kind of the the setup of, of how Dark Souls works is mm-hmm. people have played games, then they talk about the games they've played, <laughs> um, and that might sound strange. But often I have people saying to me, "Oh, Matt, you know, you haven't commented on the fact that that uh, Bloodborne's getting DLC and stuff," and it's like, "No, I haven't," because This isn't a news-based podcast. Mm -hmm. It isn't a preview-based podcast. Um, I think it's just good to talk about things that people have actually played and so they can share their thoughts on (laughs) things they actually know about rather than just getting excited by things that are miles and miles away. I feel like
1: there's a butt coming here.
0: But. (laughs) (laughs) But. Ignore everything that you But. But I've been uh, on holiday for a week, so I've been gallivanting around in the sea uh, drinking a, a drink called Damn Lemon, which is kind of a, a Damn shandy. Damn Lemon. Damn Lemon. It's kind of a shandy made with bitter lemon. Um, and so I haven't played any games, apart from Monster Hunter 4, obviously. Yep. Um, so I can't talk about any games I've played. And so instead, and because of the fact that we are now well into e 3 silly season, mm-hmm. um, we will talk a little bit about some of the things that have actually been Announced. Yes. Don't get excited, Susan. We won't be doing it much. <laughs> Next, <laughs> if, in the future, we'll be talking about things we have played again, but this is just where we're at now. It feels like an okay week to do to do that within because
1: yeah, two I think it's reasonable. Huge
0: reveals. I just think that sometimes just talking about stuff that's coming up all the time is just a bit. I, don't mm-hmm. know, I prefer to talk about what games are and how they feel. True. But the interesting thing is with XCOM 2, I feel like I know enough about the original XCOM and I know enough about the process with which. Um, Axis, particularly the XCOM team, make things, I feel we can have a really interesting conversation about it despite the fact that we know basically nothing about it. Sure. So that's, I think that's fine. But you're cool. right. I think that today it felt like um, the internet exploded a little bit for XCOM 2, but it feels like the big explosion came today for Fallout 4. And I've got to admit, just before we go on to talk about XCOM, I've got to admit, Fallout 4, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, it felt like, after watching the trailer,
1: um, I don't know. Was it like... Mm-hmm. Visually, because it, it it maybe wasn't the, the kind of graphical update that, that some people were expecting with well, this one. Well, I guess that's partly
0: it. Um, there is uh, an it, it's there.
1: tough when you're not watching... Although it, it appears to have been um, in engine, I don't know exactly what the, the footage was, but... I mean, it's when you're not actually seeing real gameplay, it's tough to look past anything other than visuals and, you know, yeah. like, general thematic stuff. And it's not
0: even just about the visual fidelity. You know, it's not even just being like, I want trees to look better, I want better textures, etc. Yeah. It's just the, it, the trailer featured um, characters quite heavily. It featured people and a dog. And I found the animation just to be a bit shonky. Um, and I kind of thought, oh, God, it's another Bethesda game, isn't it? And third, now, don't get me wrong here, right? We've talked about this um, in recent podcasts quite a lot. Right. About Bethesda's world building and about how they're very good at sweeping vistas. They're very good at these, like, um, huge expanses to explore. They really nail atmosphere in that front. But I think something they always do quite badly is, um, is character and kind of focusing on little narrative, you know? I think Fallout's better than The Elder Scrolls for that. It is, it absolutely is, um, but Fallout Three I still felt was a lot weaker than New Vegas when it came to right. detail and character, and and overall kind of narrative. I, I get that. I think yeah. So I don't know. It's it's one of these weird things where it just felt like a very strange reveal, and the fact that it felt like exactly the same reveal for as we had with Fallout Three, where it's basically. But the difference was with Fallout Three, it was kind of going, "Hey, look, they're making a new Fallout game. Yeah, and it's probably going to be three D and open world. Sure, which, which was is a huge thing, kind of exciting, but also kind of you know, it left me with some trepidation. But this time it's just like I looked at it and it looks so much like Fallout 3, both in terms of the the engine and both in terms of the style of the game and even the fact that it, it still seems to be doing that thing that the Fallout 3 Fallout 3 did of, of paying homage to Fallout. Mm. It felt like Fallout 3 played it very safe and was very much like, "Hey, look, we got the robot things. Hey, look, we got the same Nuka-Cola. Hey, look, we got all these things." And it felt like it was really didn't want to do anything too outrageous and it felt like a new homage, but with four, it just felt like all of the same stuff again. It's like, what well, is this a homage of Fallout
1: Three now? Yeah, I don't know. It just felt like it's been such a long time coming, though. I maybe maybe it feels uh, longer because you know there have been some kind of false rumors along the way, and people have got excited about things that turned out not to be the announcement for Fallout Four. That um, yeah, I I think that I think people are going to be okay with that though, by and large. Like I think by and large, I people think... will love it. I I'm I'm I i am i i do not know I don't know that I, I loved what I saw today but I think I might be in the minority there. I
0: it's I think, really complicated. I think
1: for most people more fallout is exactly what they want. And you know what for me it will probably be what I want. It's just it's it's hard, it's hard to really get that from
0: Absolutely. Just that trailer. And I think that it's I'm going to enjoy playing it I'm sure. Like I really had a great time with Fallout 3. I played it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um but I just felt from watching that trailer um I find it hard to get excited about that. Because okay. in a way, it's just like, it's more of the same. It's like, I love bourbon biscuits, but you could like be like, oh, Matt, do you want a plate of bourbon biscuits? And I'd be like, yes. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't get excited <laughs> about a trailer <laughs> because I've had bourbon biscuits before. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, there was just nothing in that trailer. It, it felt very much like a video game trailer. of like The things you're supposed to get excited about are blimps. Sure. And cowboy hats. And cowboy hats. And then it's like, no, I've already done... I don't know. It's just, it kind of left me feeling a bit like,
1: I'm actually excited to hear more about the game. Um, Sure. Well, that's an interesting thing, actually. I mean, this is the pre-E3 thing. This is leading up to, you know, they're doing a big conference. They're going to presumably show off some kind of extended gameplay there of Fallout 4 or or, or something a little bit more meaty. So for those that just want to see, oh, shit, it's finally happening. It's a new Fallout game. Maybe that's that's all they need to do. And that kind of leads nicely into... Them showing off the new stuff. I just wonder. I mean, we talked about this in the past, and I think that Quinn's put it right.
0: Uh, really hit the nail on the head, where he's like, I think everybody has one um, Bethesda game. Mm. Everybody has a Bethesda game that they just like. It gets them. Yeah, but a lot of that, people that was Skyrim. A, a lot, lot of that Skyrim, yeah. and I get that. Um, and mine was probably Fallout Three for a bit. Morrowind, I think. Um, and that was me. Mm. But the thing is, I think it's because what they're really good at is open world exploration games. They're really good at. So the bits when you're doing the quest, the bit where you're talking to the main characters in the quest line, they're not actually very good in those games, I don't think. But the bits when you're on your own and you're exploring a sewer. And I had some really intense bits the first time I just got into Washington in Fallout 3. Just going through the city with the super mutants and stuff. I found that amazing and atmospheric and intense. And actually, when you're in these open spaces, great. But I just sort of feel like there's a lot more to Fallout than just that. And I think that when I played Fallout 3, I enjoyed it. But I didn't realise until I played New Vegas and until I played specifically Old World Blues, which was a piece of DLC for New Vegas. Sure. that Actually, Fallout 3 was a great game, but it wasn't actually a great Fallout game. It was a great kind of post-apocalyptic survival
1: exploration thing. Ah, okay. So maybe this is it then, because you you've got a history with that um, that franchise before Fallout 3, which fantastic fantastic I definitely have violence, yeah. Because <laughs> you you um yeah you expect something different from From one of those
0: games, I think. I was was obsessive about Fallout 2 when I was a child, which is not a sentence anyone should (laughs) say. But hey, you know, licensing and uh, legal restrictions were a lot worse when I was younger. I used to spend a lot of time on uh, NMA, which was No Mutants Allowed, which was a forum which was just dedicated to incredible detail and incredible fanboys. And I was a big lurker on there. Um, So I was really into it. And, you know, Fallout 3 hit the spot for me. It was something good. I enjoyed it a lot. But it wasn't until later that I thought, actually... Um, I think somebody actually today on Twitter, I, I'm really annoyed, I can't remember who it is actually because I want to give them a little shout And I think it was a girl called Erin who basically, I think she really nailed it when she said that Fallout 3 felt like a fantastic homage to Fallout. But it wasn't until New Vegas and the DLC that Obsidian did that it actually, they actually felt like they were continuing the world. And actually I kind of felt like today that was what was a bit disappointing for me was because what I saw Obsidian do with um, New Vegas and with the DLC was to start to expand upon. The Fallout world and start to add things whereas to go back to like those little floaty drones and the new Coca-Cola and the 1950s and all that classic stuff it kind of felt a step backwards just more of more of the old stuff and I don't know again it is just a trailer and I'm sure we'll see more but it was just especially with all of the 1950s stuff and all of the uh, like old school characters I'm really hoping they if they have a, some sort of mechanics, so you go back in time a bit somehow, go back to memories and I, it, relive it? It's that, that
1: might be, I think, because the, the trailer keeps, um, you know, going pre-apocalypse. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I just this think, is character that... Uh, I just think
0: Bethesda are so bad at humans, and I, <laughs> I really, I don't know, I, I feel felt like what they did best was the bits where you're on your own, walking through a desert, fighting stuff, shooting stuff, but... They
1: just don't understand faces or how people talk. <laughs> and, um, even that's Skyrim. why they've introduced a dog because you can yeah. care about dog. Everyone cares about dogs. Like, I know, right? That's, we all. Oh, 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 there's GChat. There's G-chat. Turn it off. You're, everyone expects already that, that there's going to be some emotional um, moment within within this game now that involves the dog. It, it just it it's it's one of those things. It's just. Strange. Which is weird though, actually, because I think there was a for Fallout Three. I think they actually they made a bigger deal of the dog in Fallout 3 called dog I don't sure mm-hmm. if you ever encountered yeah. I didn't the first time I played it. And yet that, I think, featured um, in the kind of pre-release stuff. Like, this, it was like, look, this game's got People a dog like in dogs. it. It's your pet. Dogs. Done. So, yeah, I don't know how... Maybe that will be just a companion that you can bump into. It feels them. like a really... Yeah,
0: it might be. And I don't know. It just feels like a really complex set of feelings towards um, the Fallout 4 reveal, which, which resulted in just apathy. And I, I can't work out exactly why. I think it's because... There was almost like excitement and trepidation the first time of being like, I I didn't know what a Fallout game from Bethesda would be like. Yeah. And that was kind of exciting and kind of scary. But I kind of feel now Bethesda are so... They just feel very much stuck in their ways in terms of how they make games. And I don't think that's a creative thing. I think that's more a business thing. Because, man, I'm not going to knock it. Those guys have got
1: a great business going on. They know how to make games. They they made made fighting dragons and running around being a Viking quite mainstream. They did. in, In a way that... I don't really know anything that's managed it to that extent. They know what they're doing. I can't knock that.
0: But at the same time, I kind of feel like, having seen the trailer and having seen Fallout 4, Bethesda, I kind of think, I don't know. I'm hoping that they show stuff and they start blowing my mind. But otherwise, I just think it's going to be one of those games which is just not going to surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Which, eh, it's alright. I mean, it's all right. It's just difficult to get excited about that. And I also feel like the older I get, I don't know. This is a bit of an odd one, but it's a bit of, I guess, slightly different deepish but I find it harder and harder as I get older to enjoy dystopian settings for games
1: oh really yeah just mm.
0: because I used to love them when I was a kid but um, and cyberpunk really felt like it had an amazing place at one point but now it's like it genuinely feels like the order I get. It feels like we now live, our world is now a cyberpunk dystopia. <laughs> yeah. And so it just doesn't seem as cool anymore playing games where it's like, oh, a cyberpunk is. dystopia, where the government are working with the corporations to control the world. It's like, no, that's just the reality of the world we live in now. It still makes a good video game setting. It, it does, is. but I kind of increasingly like, um, <laughs> I just find myself drawn more towards uh, yeah, more fantastical stuff. Okay, now. Right. Like, I love the colours of Monsanto, I love the, the sci fi glamour and hey, Fallout Fallout looks a bit opera. more
1: colourful than a bit more than 3. That was one of the like notable changes that we saw. I'm, I'm honestly with cool. Fallout
0: 4, my biggest hope is that they hope is that they have people in some story better people for the um for the the world for the narrative just for the world Fallout because they just felt the like with Fallout 3, they just did the whole... darkness and they just did the whole like there was some like like some humor but it was mainly just grim dark you know, um, Slightly tongue-in-cheek, but then, I, I, again, it wasn't until I played New Vegas and it wasn't until I played Old World Blues that I kind of remembered the the wackiness, remembered the the kind of strangeness mm. of uh, of Fallout and that was something that was just really lost. So I think it's going to be good, don't get me wrong. Um, I just think having played Skyrim and, and found that I got really, I really bought into the hype with Skyrim and I got really into right, it. Right right. I played it for about 20 hours and I enjoyed myself, but then I walked away from it feeling quite empty and I just sort of feel like... ah. Oh, I think I'm just a bit upset that I think Obsidian did such a good job with that series. Mm. And I know that's a really contentious point. A lot of people really disagree with that. Um, but I just feel like Obsidian was. I mean, Obsidian started off being a lot of Black Isle and stuff. So I I, I kind of feel like it'll be good. But you just I need it to surprise you. There's a part of my heart that knows that Fallout is in the wrong place. Like, it's not. There's to do an okay job. But I just think, ah, oh, there are people out there who could do a better job. And I honestly believe that. And it's just. It's one of those things. It's one of those things. That's
1: what Kickstarter is for, man. It is. It is. It is. You want to make a... And I can't a a Fallout game. game that's not called Fallout. You have to Kickstarter. It's just for someone else. I guess this is actually
0: just what happens when people love bands, and then the bands they love, like, change. Like, with Muse or something. I just accept that now Muse are not for me. They're for someone else. But I used to like them. It's fine. Whatever. I'm just a curmudgeon, all right? Yeah, I'm just awful you really person. Are. Anyway, let's roll on well, to... Well, now that we've just, like, <laughs>
1: rained on everyone's enthusiasm for, for, for let's move on to something we are enthusiastic yes, about yes I mean
0: um, XCOM 2 mm-hmm. that's a whole another kettle of fish sure and I'm so excited about XCOM 2 for, mainly for one reason actually because something I think we talked about a lot already and I really hoped for was I just I loved what they did with XCOM but I thought that I, they'd done such a confident job of making it their own in very subtle ways mm-hmm. that I really hoped that when they made another one that they would feel free to just off the reins a bit. Sure. And not try and reinvent
1: the original. And I was really worried that we'd get XCOM 2 Terror from the Deep. I actually didn't have any idea what to expect from a sequel from that game. Uh, Enemy Within was very much a kind of expansion to the, the unknown kind of template. And I just didn't know. Not that the, the overall story in XCOM has, has never been that important for me. It's always the individual kind of uh, kind of stories that you create for your characters as they, they do heroic things and then die horribly or whatever. Um, but I just didn't know where they would take it, like, what wh- where the sequel would even be set. I think, mm. like as you said, like, if you look back at the original XCOM series, they, they went underwater, like, they went to alien planets, and, and that feels different, but neither of those sounded that appealing to me.
0: I kind of feel like the general impression of... Uh the second game was it wasn't received terribly well, I think. Terror from the Deep is this? Is yeah, right. Terror from the Deep, I think, was turned around quite quickly. And okay. I think it was just like, what can we do? And so they just set the levels underwater, and it was very similar.
1: Because it, it needs to feel it needs to feel different. Um, and I, yeah, I just didn't know what, what they were doing from that. But this this whole idea of playing almost Resistance... Um, and I don't know about you, but the, the kind of theory that has been going around a little bit is that maybe uh, XCOM 2 is set... After um, an unsuccessful XCOM campaign. It's supposed to be, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'll run through people the basics in case they've missed this news. Um, XCOM 2 is set in a world where the aliens have basically taken over. Mm -hmm. And now everything's all nice and shiny but being run by aliens. And rather than being a government-funded agency, you are now a guerrilla group. So you're on the run, you're hiding from people. And you're trying to take back the earth one bit at a time by basically disrupting them. So it's very much guerrilla tactics. And the idea is that it is after, um, it's set after the first game. But the idea that you didn't win. So yeah, or so potentially you-
1: there was a, a, a second invasion or something. But I, I, I prefer the, the idea that it was an, an unsuccessful campaign because I think when you do lose, you, you kind of. You go back to the XCOM board and you see i I'm pretty sure they behind. said that. I'm pretty sure right. Solomon's
0: actually said, "Oh yeah, you know that. You know how when you run out of money and all that, and yeah. the aliens take over, that's what's happened."
1: Yeah, and that's that's a really cool place to start. It's for awesome the next game, I think. It's awesome. Although it doesn't, it's one of these things where I hate
0: myself for thinking this, but when I was looking, at I'm like, it doesn't quite make sense because having finished the campaign of mm-hmm. XCOM, when it has that bit at the end where it actually has some story about what the aliens were there for, it's somehow like
1: knowing what they were there for
0: if they beat you. I'm not sure they really want to like
1: keep your planet and look after you like like oh because they were they were kind of yeah because they t- were testing really you uh, and yeah. seeing if you could be added to their but then again maybe it's a breeding ground or something I don't yeah, know yeah I don't know that be. kind of makes sense yeah but it's um it for, looks... for, in terms of gameplay for somewhere for your game
0: to start I like it <laughs> I love it and the thing is it raises so many questions about um the kind of strategic overgame right because if you're no longer being funded, then it means you no longer have that whole system of trying to keep each continent happy. Mm. Presumably, in order to get money
1: in. presumably they'll start off by distrusting you, and even the people themselves will think or will be brainwashed into the well, idea that you're exactly. And I think it's it's, no there's good.
0: some fascinating ideas going on here, and I'm really excited about it for a number of reasons. And in, in the trailer, it shows this um, this kind of dystopian city with Mm -hmm. cops and stuff but obviously they're all being controlled by the aliens but the people are relatively happy and they're all just being scanned and walking around and they're just so clearly there's an element of brainwashing going on here and that's cool because it reminds me loads of syndicate and syndicate wars sure, of this idea of being like a populace that is being controlled through like trickery basically Mm -hmm. a a facade Um, and I'm really hoping that that's part of the element of the idea that when you are actually having these missions to begin with um, people will probably, like, you know, civilians will probably just be running away from you. Yeah. Rather than just standing there and hoping you'll rescue them, the chances are they will see you as being a threat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... Te- you'll be called terrorists immediately. Yeah. Well, that's the word yeah. that will be... Um, and I love that. And I love the idea that you part of what you'll be doing will be to break this spell. So it'll be not only will we be trying to avoid, um, you know,
1: collateral damage by hurting civilians because of... Um... But, but yeah, it's not just about morality, though, because they will actually hurt your your image in it, within that area and you're trying to win over the, yeah. the people to fight back, right? And I wonder, I mean they talked about it, apparently so you're not
0: gonna have your traditional base anymore. Your base will be a flying ship. Yeah, a helicarrier A Helicarrier called the Avenger. Yeah. Which is not a reference to the original XCOM. Not the Avengers movie. That was um, a very much
1: I think you'll find moment there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh, thank you, fine. I'm I'll find I'm terrible honestly with XCOM. <laughs> this is probably actually the worst podcast for me because with things, with Fallout and XCOM I'm appalling. Right. I'm a mega geek. Okay. It's really uncomfortable. Don't. don't I'm
1: very cool, so... Don't get cornered by the me at a party. It's fine.
0: All right? You'll never leave. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you'll be travelling around the world in this sort of like, you know, amazing flying party mm. thing. Yeah. And you won't have a base. And they, they talked about how apparently control of territory will be a really major thing. So I'm presuming, and this is me getting into proper hypothetical terms right now. Yeah. But... This kind of makes sense to me, so hear me out. I reckon like, if you're not getting funding from these places, it it will probably be a case that you will fly in and try and take locations based on the assets that will be there. So that'll be similar to getting rewards, um, but then the assets can still be humans, but maybe in a way that makes more sense. It could be like there are some re- there's some really good scientists here yep. at this university. If we take this area and get this university, then we'll be able to switch off the brainwashing. And I'd love it if they made it so that actually by completing missions and removing whatever is brainwashing these people whether it's like specific aliens or beacons or whatever you actually then gain rather than gaining money as an asset you gain people you sure. actually you liberate people from this like brain stuff
1: well m- money was made sense for th- for the the game but it was always a bit of a weird thing for for XCOM I thought because presumably the, the entire world wants you to be successful and the nah, idea of like man. it having to be oh well at least to start with I thought it was too optimistic. Could you imagine well, that everyone aliens together.
0: actually like attract the planet and there was one one team of people going, hey guys, but look, you fund us all. It'd be like, no way, China would be like, we're funding our Chinese team. America would be like, no, we're Okay, <laughs> well if they
1: got into a situation where XCOM exists, the the idea that you have to pay someone to make you a laser rifle just blows my mind. Why are you not giving it to me? I'm Come trying on, to mate. fight the
0: aliens. I'll owe you a favor.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Just do me a freebie. Come on, just do me a couple of plasma rifles on the free. <laughs> you will get to a point where you'd be like, "Look, I will pay
1: you back. Look, if you don't do it, we got everybody's going to die. <laughs> like, like, let's not forget that core principle. Yeah. All right? You're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that idea as well. I, I um, something I wanted to see a bit more of in in XCOM uh, enemy unknown and i think they, they started to introduce this with within was fighting over um territory and the kind of the buildings that you're fighting over make sense for your campaign outside of that it's not just a battlefield it's you know these are important locations i've uh, been playing a little bit of massive Chalice recently which is a double fine turn based strategy mm-hmm. game and occasionally you'll need to defend keeps um that you've built and there's something really satisfying about fighting and Kind of uh, defending something that you defending make. something that you put in place always benefiting you, and I can totally see them bringing a bit more of that into it. Because yeah. within you, you know, there's the the base well, defense and stuff a, like that. A big new
0: thing is the fact they are actually adding procedurally generated maps now. Mm. So rather than just having like a big pool of maps that you'll see repeated, they will yep. actually be procedurally generated. And obviously, you know, I've got immediate concerns about um, how that's going to work well with both terms of pathfinding and aiming. A lot of people had complaints that were fairly reasonable about you know. Aliens being able to shoot through walls and do weird things in the original XCom, it wasn't something that destroyed my personal enjoyment of the game. But I know a lot of people who yeah. and it gets really more just were like, "No, with I'm not level playing generation, this. Definitely. With level generation,
1: I imagine it's going to be a,
0: a bigger issue.
1: But if they can get around that, brilliant. It's amazing. Yeah, if idealistically, that's that's so much better than having a limited pool because by the end of I I tried like um, a bunch of XCom campaigns before I finally completed it. So. You know, yeah. after yeah. Like, after oh, a few, you, you recognize it, and you start. You yourself have an advantage that you probably shouldn't when you play it, because you know the layout already. And if you're, you know, in the position of that team, they don't. They're they're going in. And ideally,
0: blind. something I'd love to see, uh, which was something we saw in the original XCOM, was the different areas of the game, not just the different kind of. Look, the different locales actually had different styles. Mm-hmm. So if you shot down a UFO in the desert, yes, it yeah, would yeah, be a desert. Yeah. If you shot down a UFO in the jungle, you would fight in a jungle. Sure. And if they could do something basic like that, that would be incredible.
1: I, I played... Um, I, I never went back to the original XCOM for, for my shame, but I played Xenonauts, which was kind of a... A, a remake is probably the closest word for that. Um, yeah, yeah. Of, of that game. And, yeah, the the location's hugely different. If you're fighting on farmland... Um, like if you're out in the states or something, and there's a lot of farmland around you, that's really big open maps, and you have yeah. to completely change your playstyle because of where you are in the world. I still remember that from the original XCOM, just having farm levels horrible. Oh god, just having be- to run yeah. across
0: these massive expanses of nothing yeah. and be like, I'm
1: gonna get killed. But that's a cool idea, though, right? <laughs> it is yeah. cool.
0: It is, and I mean, I'd love it if they, I mean, if they had something like, because they talked about how controlling um, locations is going to be really important. Um, but it, you know we know from how this works it's not going to be some clean sweep hop around the world gradually removing stuff mm. there will be pushback and if we have a situation where it's procedurally generating the maps but then saving those maps yes out, then you've got that to you then the have to you go back yeah. and fight an area you fought before in but that, that would be awesome yeah. some other stuff that's incredible about it is the fact that because we have this whole idea of the fact that you are assaulting the areas um, it means that rather than it being a case of there being some aliens dots around the level and you just turning up in one group mm. and finding them Now, um, guerrilla warfare is a big thing. So actually, you get to choose when you initiate, providing you don't get spotted, which means you do actually have this sort of proper implementing a stealth system, which means you can sneak in and you can basically overwhelm people. And I mean, I'm really excited by this just because there was a lot of really cool stuff in XCOM in terms of systems for sniping, et cetera. But the problem was, I found it wasn't until the expansion, it wasn't until Enemy Within, that it really gave you the tools you needed to properly take advantage of that. It always felt like it'd be a real arsehole trying to
1: get on top of a roof and then you get on top of a roof with a sniper and then you wouldn't be able to do anything with yeah. him because he wouldn't be in the right place. So, yeah, this time around, potentially, there's going to be more chance for like, preparation beforehand. Yeah. I, I really like the idea of like picking your moment to, to strike a location. And they're not necessarily going to be ready to defend it straight away. They may be just... But there'll be some formation to it. So it being able me to of, scout yeah. around the edges, look for, for a weak spot and really make your first hit count... That appeals for me. Um, one of my favourite things ever was probably in the first Rainbow
0: Six, which you might be a bit too young for. I didn't play it. I don't think I'm too young. For it a was game. really complicated, to be honest. I struggled with it when I was I was quite young at the time, mm. and it was like, it was it was not easy. Yeah. But again, a lot of that game was about pre setup. It was about like you stand here, you stand here, you stand here, you stand here. I press this button. You all kick in the doors at once. You all move in. And when you done Rainbow Six right. You didn't really have to do anything. You you be in the first person mode, but you could just stand at the start of the level and no. not even go in. Like you didn't have to do any shooting. You could just tell them to do it, and then hooray, you solved the you saved the president's daughter, etc. Mm-hmm. If it had an element of that, where you could have like a sniper on the roof waiting, and then some guys in the room, and then sniper opens fire, and then the enemies just instinctively run back into the building to then be like running into sure. a barrage of fire,
1: that would be amazing. And there'll, there'll be still be some risk involved in that, presumably, because you know you you you'll have a good idea of what's going on if you if you've scouted everything but if you get spotted midway through this preparation yeah your sniper's just run, like climbing up a ladder then you know you can still <laughs> you can still fuck it up and that that that's that's cool because the game's the game needs to feel different yes it definitely does but there's a reason I really like enemy unknown well it really feels they've
0: learned from enemy within actually because one of the things in enemy within which i thought really changed the dynamic of the whole game up was the infiltration missions mm. the way you'd send in one person on their own and they would have to wear civvy clothes, and they'd have um, just a pistol, and they weren't allowed to carry, like, everything. And that was great because it meant that you you wanted to send somebody good in so they'd be still useful and still able to survive. But at the same time, it was was a a real risk because it meant that if you wanted to have this covert element, you needed to drop everything. And I imagine that actually we're going to see a lot more of that, this idea that actually with some missions, if you really want to
1: ace it, the way to do it will be to split up Surround people Then open fire And decimate them Just destroy them mm. um, Rather than starting the, the, the entire encounter Already in cover And, and kind of uh, Fighting back right well, it, the, From the beginning Yeah the
0: fascinating thing About Enemy Within Was it felt like A lot of it was built Based on how players Had played the original XCOM And players had played The original XCOM In a very uh, Cautious way Both tactically And strategically You'd move all your troops in very, very slowly, mm-hmm. putting them on overwatch, putting them on overwatch yep. until you found them, then you pin them down you destroy them. Whereas, you know, the way it worked uh, with Exalt was it, it swarmed you, it surrounded sure. you, it forced you to play differently.
1: And within, within changed that um, in a big way using the Meld system as well, it kind of, it, it, it saw that as a bit of a problem yeah, and, and started saying, right, well, if you're going to take your time, you're going to lose out on this important resource. And the really cool thing about that is that that was actually a different team uh, for the most part. Jake Solomon, the, the creative lead on Enemy Unknown, uh, didn't work on Within. The moment Unknown stopped, presumably he started on 2. Yeah. So although this seems like quite a, a quick turnaround, they've been working on it since 2012. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's given give them a chance to to give it to brand new people who have done stuff that they didn't anticipate. And now they get to cherry pick the bits they like from that and introduce it to... Well, the that's, what,
0: that's what I'm so excited about, is the fact that um, Enemy Within... Was uh, an kind of expansion and update, which had a really savvy understanding of how players had played the original game and how players had abused it yeah. and yeah. how players had slightly spoiled it, and it fixed them. But the thing is, if you're fixing something that's already been broken, then it's always going to be uh, slightly shonky, you know. And the meld system was a good fix, mm. but it wasn't ideal because yeah. it was added afterwards. Where it seems like by completely reinventing the way that the things work in XCOM 2 by having a different strategy layer that involves just different systems and by having a new updated tactical layer that rewards risk in a much more substantial way from the off it should be really I'm really really very excited by it because it's rather than trying to fix something if they come in and be like yeah it's the same now you've got meld and stuff it would be like okay that's going to be good but this is a really interesting departure and they've clearly learned from enemy within they've they've changed the classes around like the way now they've made it so snipers are now sharpshooters, and so now you can have a sniper who specialises in pistols more. Um, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I think as well as any within, I think they've like uh, I know Jake Solomon has, has talked about Long War before, and he's a fan of it, and the, the yeah. kind of different stuff they've done with classes there. And yeah, it's 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 great really that they've been able to watch all this stuff whilst working on the sequel, whilst they're going, oh shit, what what do we need to add to this game? Oh, why don't we just look at these two really good examples? here. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. See what we think. I I I mean it's I'm struggling to be too objective here because I just I really like the trailer. I loved how it played out and it it kind of watching that trailer felt like watching um, a mission the, the way like the way that you're sneaking in at the beginning all getting into position mm-hmm. and then launching this attack all at once. Although why they were behind low cover at the beginning, I I don't know that was I was a really <laughs> never go behind low cover. <laughs> um and yeah, it's just uh, the and there was there was stuff there that surprised me like sort things like the uh, the snake men yeah. or snake the the snake women snake in, men. In this, right. oh um, well yeah, yeah. There was, like that that's from the original XCOM, but I was like whoa that's weird okay and then suddenly there's a melee weapon and I, I it surprised me whilst doing a lot of stuff that I was hoping for the melee weapon stuff uh, I think that's that is a continuation of, yeah, of really the shotguns is. right because when you used... The most of the time I use run and gun with the assault class I ended up right, right next, next to them yeah. so why not why not a sword <laughs> why not yeah, I mean they added they added um,
0: yeah. like with the mech suits and sure stuff. melee combat they added melee combat yeah. quite substantially and why not mm-hmm. and I think especially for like fleshy enemies like that guy although I loved I'm not sure if it's just me that picked this up but that fleshy thing that got sliced mm. up with a um
1: with a machete. I'm not sure if that's a reimagining of a sectoid. I kind of partially wonder if it is. I think it's I think it might be um some kind of hybrid between human and sectoid. It's possible. So, because I think there's a statue in the trailer as well of like a, a human, uh, a human reaching up, up towards up. one of these yeah. larger sectoids. So maybe that maybe part of this new world order thing is that aliens are our friends. We we should join with them and, and like, you know, better the species or whatever. And maybe yeah. that's Maybe that's why this makes sense for the story. That's what they want from it.
0: And I do wonder if um there's there's an element of the indoctrination and this is this is again like kind of swerving off into fan based theories. Oh that's the best place to start. But to. um <laughs> it is. But um I kind of wonder if this is a sexwood hybrid human hybrid, which it looks like maybe they have been made as part of this brainwashing thing. Because mm-hmm. I notice at the start of the trailer there's a bit where there are some like guards and then there's you see one of these things in the shadows and it's like lurking there. Yeah. and one of the soldiers kind of nods to it. And I kind of wonder if maybe there's going to be an element of, um, in the same way in Enemy Within, it kind of forced you to go to these beacons and forced you to get specifically go to specific locations and do specific things rather than just being like, kill everything. Yep. I, I would, can't help but wonder if actually if the way it's going to work in terms of switching this indoctrination off may well involve these guys. Yeah. I, I just got a hint for it. I'm like, I bet it is. I bet it's going to be that... Those guys are somehow controllers because you know we have the whole sectoid mind control thing. Mm-hmm. Imagine if it's more that these mind control things can control the minds of lots of the civilians, oh, okay. and it'd be awesome if you actually have situations where the civilians are um, maybe actually like fighting against you, even if they're fighting badly. That would be a
1: real oh, yeah. I, I I get the impression that's a kind of the the Exalt uh, storyline continues maybe there and that, that yeah. yeah you will be fighting humans and aliens. And if oh. if that's the situation
0: where it's like you have to take out that guy take out those guys and then the civilians will snap out of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that that sort of thing but it does it just reminds me hugely of uh, of Syndicate which is uh, makes me really smile because I love those games back in the day yeah and uh, there's some really exciting stuff going on with uh, the fact that they've they've shifted up all the classes which feels like they've learned a lot from both uh, enemy within and long war yeah um and yeah it's it's very exciting and I'm glad that they've ditched the base building stuff because that was one element of um well, they haven't ditched it, but they they've clearly going to change it. Yeah,
1: sure. I, it, by the looks of it, at least to start with, you're going to be in this kind of Flying Fortress-type deal. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that side of the game... I I, I imagine it will exist in some form. Oh, yeah, the, no, the, I'm the, sure the re- it will. Yeah. But I'm glad they've reworked it, because mm-hmm. it felt like they
0: um, brought in a bunch of ideas from the original XCOM game in terms of the enemy designs, in terms of the, the general setup. And I felt that the base-building element and... Uh, the strategy layer element that they'd pretty much just taken from the original game and brought up to date. I felt it had a lot of holes in it and I kind of felt like it wasn't as sharp as it well, could be. Yeah,
1: one thing I don't, I don't particularly like about that side of the game is that I always feel like I should have a um, a guide up and and, and and to get the optimum base set up there's a definite way you want to yeah, approach it, features. Yeah, it
0: created a little you. puzzle game where you could make a big mistake and then not only would you be wasting loads of money, you'd be wasting loads of
1: time. Whereas the, the, the actual... Combat itself feels much more personal because you're reacting to different situations that no one else has really experienced, and
0: yeah, I and also crucially another problem they had to fix with Exalt, with Mm -hmm. Enemy Within, was the fact that you could you could be quite um, you could be quite slow and quite defensive on the on the strategic level. You could take your time with it. You actually like at first it felt like a mad rush and it felt like oh god oh god oh god, but then towards the end actually could take your sweet time you could spend ages shooting down UFOs and doing stuff and it it got quite easy to maintain and wait and then by the time you got to the final mission of the game it was a cakewalk because it was like well I've got everything now I'm really powerful I wonder if
1: you yeah I just so if you ran into problems at that stage in the game you can bring in more troops and kind of start from scratch I wonder how that will work in in 2 because you're not going to have sure it's going to be people that will join the resistance and presumably as you get more influence, you know, you'll have more recruits and um, what have you. But yeah, I don't exactly know how that works. Cause you're not going to ask the government for, because <laughs> you're fighting the government. Yeah, the government I'm, don't like I'm intrigued you. by that. They've
0: said that there's going to be a huge amount more customization for characters, so you can really make them feel look so like much more important
1: feel. than they probably realized, or uh, well, maybe not. I don't know. But like that, that became crucial to that. Well, game it's a different me. thing as well now, because it seems like in in XCOM, I love the fact that you are just
0: buying these generic off the. Off-the-shelf soldiers, yeah, and then sending them out. And I mean, I had a rule already in mind that, like, I didn't change the color of their armor until they were like they'd done four missions or something. It was that thing of being like, I'm I, not getting attached to you. it's like a goldfish, yeah. you know. I was the first,
1: the first, <laughs> the first rank up. I gave, I Whew, usually did it. You're very optimistic. If you're a, if you're a squadie, you get a name and you get some a hat and maybe some colored armor. But, <laughs> Um, Yeah, I know what you mean. There's a lot. Otherwise, there's a lot of work. I properly felt it was like getting a goldfish from the fair.
0: It's just like, (laughs) give it a few weeks. Make sure if it it isn't dead, then he gets a name. Wow. Um, But yeah, they've made it now so that there's more customization options, and also uh, customization options for characters that you have leveled up. So if Mm. they are like, once they've got to the point where they've proved themselves to be good, then you can start to make them. I wonder what that is.
1: What would you give a soldier that had survived and killed a lot of aliens, like? If it can't just be a new hat it's got to be something sweet tats <laughs> maybe that's maybe. tattoos not tits by the way oh, okay it's, right. there's some confusion there yeah for people that are listening to this that aren't that familiar with Enemy I Unknown mean, I don't know I how you've like this long Where <laughs> you might be going what Why customization? what is this come on I, I care about you know combat and, and uh, you know it's because you fall in love with these people but you totally do it's, just, it's, it's such and then they a die, big part of it and you refuse to believe that they died Yeah particularly enemy within it's like he can't die he's got two hearts so you know how much how mild, has he died? <laughs> how much mild it cost to give you that many hearts yeah that, that's the <laughs>
0: other funny thing about enemy within is that you've invested so much yeah. into them you're furious that they've died
1: whereas in it's unknown like... it's it's it, there's experience sure but a lot of it is just kind of money like you've bought given them guns and cool stuff but you can give that to someone else it's fine but yeah, you pass yeah it on. In, i like that about within i like that it kind of gave you a real kind of investment if you were going to make someone a mech that was, you better keep them around, otherwise this doesn't pan out. It's mad, though. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing, the other final interesting thing about X-Con It's full of interesting things. Um, Is it's the film. fact that Fallout 4 trailer, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's just a dog, guys. It's just a dog, <laughs> all right? I've seen dogs before.
0: Um, no, it, so there's... <laughs> they've announced four classes, and the four classes are pretty much like similar. They're mm-hmm. like variations on the four classes from the other game. Sure. But there's a fifth class, and they, they haven't announced that yet. So I sort of feel like if there's a fifth class and they haven't announced it, it's probably something going to be something that is a big deal. And I wonder if it is going to be. Because they sort of started toying with that with Meld. I wonder if it is going to be some sort of hybrid. Yeah. And I wonder if it is going to be that aliens have created a human hybrid and that is allowing them to control humans. Uh, and I wonder if actually, as, as is the way of XCOM, if if you guys will have actually reverse engineered something which allows I, you to do something I totally similar.
1: think that's it. I mean, yeah, we, we saw that. By, by the end of Enemy Unknown even, like you, you're, some of your soldiers are starting to get psi um, abilities and, and, and have kind of progressed beyond humanity. And this is the same universe, this is 20 years after, we they won't have lost that. Even if they don't bring in all the enemy within stuff, I'm not sure if we're going to see mechs. Um, I, I really yeah. don't know. But... That, that that stuff is very much continuation reckon, of the game they made. I reckon mechs will.
0: I'm less sure about vehicles, particularly as they've made it so yeah. that there's a, the, the kind of replacement for the support character now um, has a lot of like has, you know, has local a drone stuff. He has a little drone. Because yeah. uh, I kind of felt like um, the the tanks and floating drones and stuff you had in XCOM were a nice idea, but one in both games, both the original mm-hmm. and the remake. Yep. Things that you just didn't really yep. uh, use or
1: have an impetus to. Uh, Early, early, oh, I'll try that again Early game if you get them They're they're incredibly useful And you can use them for things that soldiers can't do You can use them as colour But the fact that you're taking them on these missions And they're not getting experience Just meant that I never ever even considered it I yeah. just thought if the, You know these missions have got to give me something back That's part of the Yeah that's, that's part of the game you, You're yeah. progressing You're trying to get ready for the final encounter I'm not taking... It. A tank does not have an experience bar. No, I'm not interested. But I really feel like we're going to have some cool walking and playing sighting. I don't know why,
0: but I just feel like there's going to be this fifth class, and this fifth class, one of the things it's going to be able to do is it's going to be able to walk around these streets unseen. Bef- oh, before... Yeah. And I oh, so I, I could like a feel scout. scout? Okay. I really feel like there's going to be something where it's going to be, for whatever reason, you're going to have the ability to, like, to trick, like... These aliens and trick like the def- yeah, sensors. I I would
1: be, I I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that that brought in some of the sectoid abilities in the sim- in the same way that 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 sectoid the tall sectoid looks like a hybrid. You, you will have created something and has some of their um their, their powers involved. That that this works sad. and also that is a. That is a good class to hold back for a reveal of some kind. Yeah, that's I mean, the thing. Is, it's, it's not. It's not going to be like the mega sniper. Yeah, because it it's just not. <laughs> it's a medic. <laughs> oh great! <laughs> I'd love that if
0: they did that. It's <laughs> a medic. Look? He can heal people. <laughs> he can bring people back to life. Aren't you guys excited about that? It's <laughs> on- an amazing thing to be able to do. The world is a beautiful place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Only on IGN first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a weak week, week.
0: Uh, yeah, but I think it's just the fact that yeah, XCOM 2 is it's very exciting to me. Um, it's one of those things where I'm kind of glad that XCOM was not a bigger thing. If they if they brought it back as a remake with a New Studio earlier, I think people might have been a bit more protective of keeping the IP in the kind of universe that had already been made. Mm-hmm. But because it's been such a long time, and because the new XCOM has done such a great job, I'm really glad they've just given them the reins to be like, do what you want with it. Because yeah. this is just so new, so fresh. And I'm so excited, because mainly because of this guerrilla stuff. It's the fact mm-hmm. that what XCOM does best is... Um, tension and this this is just going to be I can see already it's going to be a, a really new flavour of tension that's going to really mix up the dynamics so you'll sure. have the strategic layer of being like what are we going to do where are we going to go in the world what are we going to liberate what are we going to try and steal what are, what's the best thing to do but then when you're in the mission it's not that thing of being like trying to find the aliens and then bang you're in the fight and it means because the problem I found with XCOM was actually it was exciting at first but when you became quite good at XCOM it became quite repetitive that beginning of a mission mm-hmm. was just that thing of very slowly pushing forward pushing sure. forward and it sometimes it got really boring you'd be like and it you was could tense
1: but then it was like oh come on where you, are the bloody aliens you could totally game it so you i mean when i played long war now my i start each mission by sending someone forwards like half of their turn you, you get kind of two movements yeah. to deal with and if they haven't encountered uh, an alien group everyone moves to that spot. They don't have to be in color; it doesn't matter, because I know they're safe now. Yeah. And you keep doing that until you find a group. Something. Yeah, so it it feels like you're you're just kind of testing the water, then you find someone, then you're on the back foot and you try and, you you know, hold your ground or whatever. And that that does feel too gamey. Whereas if you're planning some kind of... I just like the idea of an initiation where you've scouted around the map at least as much as you can. You don't know everything, I hope. And then you're like, right, this is the moment to strike. And then the the game changes. It's
0: a really exciting dynamic, particularly if it's going to put you up against teams of things which are bigger and nastier than you are. Mm -hmm. Because we have that sense of if you you mess this up, then you're going to be a lot of trouble. And that feeling of being like, you need to get this initiation right. Mm. And if you get it wrong, that's going to be exciting as well, because then it means you've got this incredibly tense battle to try and get the odds back in your favour. I'm excited. And it's like, I don't know, I think it's because... In contrast to to Fallout 4, where a team did a a pretty decent job of making a a really good, fun, um, open-world game. Like, XCOM, they just nailed it so hard. Um, And it felt that actually when they didn't, it was because they were being slightly held back by um, the the original formula they tried to use. To see them having the bravery and having the sign-off to go and
1: reinvent it and do something completely new with it. I I I have genuinely never been so excited. That's great, I'm I'm delighted for them as well because every every turn-based strategy game I've played since then has not been the inspired game. by it. But but has, has taken yeah, and I'm always chasing the, the next. Chasing ex-comp. the next hit, and the developers are as well. I think everyone is trying to like. um is, has kind of become a much bigger thing because of that game, yeah. and a lot of the kind of rules that they put in place are the standard now. And yeah, I, I like I like that they. They haven't just made the same game again. By the looks of it, this is all only a trailer. Fuck it. They may have just came, may just be the same thing. Trick Joe. I mean, so it's games. the same.
0: It's the medic. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs>
1: but it doesn't look that way.
0: No, I'm 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 very hot for it. Anyway, Incredible. let's um let's see some questions. All right, cool. Stevie Tease asks, Do you have any stories from XCOM that you like to tell other players? Once upon a time, there was a little man <laughs> and a big alien. No, I, I to be honest. Um, this is just sounding like a complete plug, but uh, if, you've, uh, if you're have if you a big XCOM fan and you've got the time, I'd recommend watching some of my little video series of the XCOM because there's one episode, I can't remember which one it was off the top of my head, but there's one episode of my Enemy Within playthrough, right. which was just nuts. And long story short, it was a mission which was started off going quite well, went badly very quickly until a lot of my best people were just dead. And... It was just, I think, two soldiers, both of whom were quite low level, up against about 12 exalt troopers. And it was just, it looked like it was just impossible. But um, things panned out in a way which was quite spectacular. And by the time I finished recording that mission, um, I was shaking. I was literally shaking. It was one of the most intense experiences I've ever had. And it was nice because it was a good payoff for are all the people who probably put about 15 or 16 hours into watching play. Yeah, sure. yeah,
1: that is a huge part I always um, in my first squad every time I played I played on classic Iron Man from the very get go and I didn't really know XCOM very well at the time so I ended up playing about a dozen campaigns oh. by the time I actually completed it and every campaign I always had a soldier called Barry Smith I just thought it was quite a nice name <laughs> it was just you know Local hero Barry Smith, high on, Barry. Come on. And it ended up. I just picked it because it was a fun name, and it ended up becoming a title almost. So whichever soldier had done well in that first mission would be given the title Barry Smith. It didn't matter if it was a, a man or a woman. <laughs> it, it, it transcended gender. And um, yeah, you I thought, are.
0: This, it's like Legend of Zelda, isn't it? Like you're, <laughs> you are the Barry Smith of this generation.
1: Yeah, there you are. <laughs> Have these green clothes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always, I always like that. And then I would get overly attached to that character. And I, yeah, I don't think they. I
0: did love made that. It. I I love that way you could name the uh, medals. In yeah, that was really nice. Touch. Just because it meant you could almost like in a Zelda style way carry on the canon of your previous runs. Sure. Like I think one of my early characters and one of my first XCOM runs was called Noel Edmonds. Of course. And I got annoyed because I think you couldn't quite fit in. Noel Edmond's cycling proficiency badge as <laughs> <That's laughs> one of the medal names, <laughs> but I think the Noel Edmonds cycling proficiency badge is a soldier that's good for so a medal that's good for soldiers. Yeah, personally.
1: yeah, that's uh, that's is quite cool. You end, it's almost like a it's, yeah, it's like remembering those that have fallen. Yeah, like yeah. but but that didn't have exist bad. in this universe. The Charlie Pancakes <laughs> Award
0: for, for bravery. Yeah, God, Charlie Pancakes was so brave, man. Fair. She was beautiful. Anyway, um, <laughs> Amelia Vileblood asks, do you think that this week's announcements so far are any indication as to the quality of this year's E3? And Phil Walters, uh, Phil wall asks, it's game announcement season, are early reveals a good idea to beat the E3 rush, or do they risk making the show a damp squib? Two questions that are kind of similar. Mm.
1: I think, uh, is E3 going to be interesting this year from what we've seen so far? I think yes, just because, despite, I know we, we moaned a bit about Fallout 4 earlier, but Bethesda are doing their own game conference. They've got a very big game to talk about, and that's immediately got me. You know interested. what? I mean,
0: I've got to say, I think they're going to show it. Like, I think the fact that they has got to be gameplay. They're not really using. Heck. I mean, if they go, if they rock up to E3 with a CGI trailer, mm. I'll be like, dick off. Yeah. But I honestly think that because they've had the bravery to announce the game and run the game as in-engine trailer as their first reveal, which I've got to say. It did result in me thinking that looks a lot like Fallout Three, but at the same time, I've got a lot of time for that mm-hmm. as a brave move rather than just doing what most people
1: do. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that does tell you that they're gonna they they've got to show gameplay now at the conference because they have got to talk about it in some respect. Yeah. and you know they've they, this is kind of that first taste. I, I that has me more interested in in their conference. Than I would have been otherwise. I'm I'm like I'm really interested to see more about it.
0: Mm. I'm just really hoping there's a change because I'm a bit concerned that it's kind of like people complain about remake culture at the moment about how we're getting a lot of like 360 games and PS3 games coming back as <laughs> moderns. It kind of felt to me just just from seeing that it kind of felt a bit like they've just gone. Should we just do another Fallout game but least, on next gen graphics? At least it wasn't Fallout MMO. Imagine that we, oh, we've no. been saved that.
1: Um and. As as for whether or not these these announcements these reveals are, are a good idea, end, I think so. Fallout is a different case because they're doing their own conference. This is a build up towards that, making sure that people are interested in watching their conference. XCOM, I probably wouldn't have got the attention. the right level of attention. Yeah. And you know, if they're not talking about consoles yet. It would have had to be part of that PC like um, conference that's happening over there. Yeah. It it wouldn't have made sense for them to to, you know, do the reveal there. I, think. I mean, they'll
0: probably do it again. I no, think we yeah. saw this last year as well. And I think it seems to be quite a common thing now that we have these uh these pre-E3 reveals. And I don't know. I mean, I get it uh, because basically no one wants to have their bonfire being pissed on. Yeah. But it's kind of, it does bore me a bit because it means you get all this, this excitement just before E3. Mm-hmm. And then when you're watching the conferences, like 80% of the games that come out, you're like... Oh I've already Yeah. They they show the same trailer again. And well, then you go, some idea that Wow no, guys, that. it's Fallout Four. And you're like, yeah, I know we saw this like two weeks ago. Like So it's not the same kind of insane adrenaline rush, but I get it. Mm-hmm. But it must be fascinating to be a publisher at this time of year because they must have this genuine thing of just trying to keep their ear to the ground and find out what's going on. Yeah. Because if you've got a game that you're gonna reveal at E3 and then a competing publisher has another game which is like similar
1: and probably better, Sure. Then you you're screwed. I, I XCOM in hindsight probably would have liked to have gone a bit earlier than I think they were a bit too close to to the Fallout news themselves, but yeah. Imagine imagine what that looks like if they'd done it in the middle of E three when everyone's talking about, you know, all sorts of stuff. Like that that game gets lost in it, I think. So it I does th- make
0: sense. It feels to me that it used to be that everything got announced at E three and that was exciting and it was just like this orgasm board of mm-hmm. of stuff. Just lots of things and it'd be really Waves of excitement. Whereas now it, it tends to feel like everybody goes early just to avoid one or two big fishes. And for me, the excitement now of E3 is all about what are those big fishes going to be? Sure. it's They're the ones you don't know. The things that feel brave enough to know that they don't have to pre-reveal or they don't have to tease. They can just go...
1: Boom!
0: And it, it's big enough that it will just shadow out the sun. There's going to
1: be some cool stuff. Like Bethesda have got to talk about more than just Fallout 4. There's going to be other stuff that they'll be showing there. There's... There's rumours that- like the
0: Skyrim Diaries, How I Fought a Bear.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? Elder Scrolls Online. That's that's I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, <laughs> there's you know, uh, there's rumours that the the rare are gonna be showing off whatever they've been working on and the you know, Sony have got to do something big and interesting uh, this year and I I don't really
0: Chuckle do, do. For me it feels like a year where people don't really need to do anything. I don't know. They it's- just rock
1: up. <laughs> I think I think Sony have I've done quite a bit of that. I reckon I reckon we need to see... I, I just don't know what it is. I just don't know where Morpheus is, is supposed to be uh, relatively soon, yeah. right? So I guess we'll be seeing where they're going with that. You know,
0: VR is such a funny one because VR is such a interesting proposition for the future of games. But at the same time, it's got to the point where there keep being like presentations about it. But it's, it's one of those things very much that until you actually experience it firsthand, mm-hmm. it's, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> It's a difficult and, one. Yeah, you can't really explain it to people. I mean, yeah. I've, I've talked Oh some god! Really have you interesting...
1: to any of the pricks that have used um, Steam VR yet, no, precisely right. They're, oh, they're awful. They're I awful. Met them at GDC, everyone's like, it, "It's the best thing ever." It's changed my view on VR. It's really weird. No one it's, else knows what everyone that means. who's
0: tried it is a complete twat. Yeah. And they weren't before, but then immediately <laughs> they are. Yeah. Um, no, I, I get really jealous because there were people at GDC who were like, "Yeah, it's it's like unbelievably mm-hmm. like having your cornflakes just urinated over in front of you." Cause it was this thing of being like, yeah, I tried the new Oculus. Honestly, demos. you have to try it. It's, you have to yeah, try it. Yeah, all yeah, right. Like, yeah, right. I, I tried the new Oculus thing, and they go, oh, that's nothing, Mate, like, Come that's, on, forget about it. Like, <laughs> Oculus is like, it's like, why would you do that? It's like, it's like buying your child a bicycle made out of of concrete. Nice. What's wrong with you? Are you evil? And you're like, well, no, but it was it was quite good. And they're like, no, you know nothing. Your your world is, is made of. Uh, concrete, bicycle <laughs> and concrete bicycles what is this world you live in it's shit yeah yeah no it's um it's frustrating but at the same time i mean i, I think that that's one of those things where you can keep having dickheads wandering onto stage wearing helmets and going whoa but that's never gonna oh, yeah. impress it's... people long term mm-hmm. i think people are impressed with the idea of it or not or cynical of the idea of it but it wasn't until i actually tried it myself that i thought okay but I still think that the big problem of um, VR is going to be room space. It's very much an American thing. Like, Americans are going to have a wicked time with it because they've got houses. Like, in the UK, like... <laughs> the whole Steam thing, like, the caveat is insane. It's like, yeah, but you need, like, a three-meter by four-meter space to yeah. really enjoy it. It's like, oh, cool! I'll just move to, I'll just though, move to it? Berlin, it and then I can play it.
1: Yeah, it's... I don't know. But, yeah, I, I'm excited about about the... the I, I, don't, I hate this... Um, I I get the cynicism for E3. I completely understand that. And, um, you know, there is a a certain detachment from the people that are presenting these these new things to you and it it does feel like you're a consumer rather than someone that just plays games. But still, it is going to be... The fact that we don't know. The fact that we don't know what PlayStation's big thing is this year other than that they might talk about Mortheus in some respect. I always enjoy the announcements. That's cool. I that's do enjoy right. the announcements.
0: Yeah. I do enjoy seeing what's coming up next. I do enjoy seeing what the future of the industry is. I think I've just had enough of being there physically at those that's places. That's fun. That's cool. Um, because it does feel like you're just um, in a very strange consumer fair.
1: I've never done it properly because I've only been with Video Gamer and and, and both times <laughs> I did that, it wasn't like covering it properly at all. No, I think that's safe to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we've
0: got... Uh, another XCOM question which is fine we, we did warn people we're going to talk about XCOM yeah. a lot if you're a Dark Souls regular and you're not interested in XCOM then sorry <laughs> but it is the best game ever made possibly yep. so you should probably so... get on that <laughs> Neil McGuinness asks why do you think they've gone with PC only and what are your thoughts slash predictions on how that affect the gameplay I don't think it will affect it massively and I think it's probably going to be one of those exclusives which isn't an exclusive mm-hmm. I think that just means it will be out on PC first yep, and then you will get the definitive version
1: on console there will definitely be later. console versions it, it would. It doesn't make sense to me for that not to happen I do like that you know they're talking about things like modding support from the get-go yes. which is maybe something that comes with concentrating on a PC version I
0: think that's the big thing right yeah. it feels to me that they've been so impressed with Long War and so impressed with the modding that they've actually decided to make it primarily a PC game probably just so they can code it in a way which is friendly to modders because I think that they've um, I, I mean I don't I don't know but i I, I bet my ass that the long-tail sales of XCOM have been really good yep. just because lots of people have been picking it up and lots of people have oh, been checking it, out yeah. to mod it. And Every
1: stuff. time it's on sale on Steam, I see people talking about it all over again. Like It seems to be one of those ones that, that, yeah, I, even now people are, are being introduced to it for the first time. It's just a great game. Yeah. And I feel, especially with
0: the uh, procedural generation element, mm-hmm. I think if they can add that and they can put in good mod support, they could have a game that would just like sell and sell and sell and sell for years and it
1: it does work well on console I played it for the first time on console and and it handles well it controls well I prefer on the PC but it it definitely works over there and it will again Like do it. I got so used
0: to playing it on 360 that I play it on PC with a 360 pad yeah I think that's, uh, that's pretty understandable fine done um Ben Taylor says, do you think we will be taking much inspiration from the Long War mod? We've already talked about that a bit, and the mm-hmm. answer is yes. Yeah. Um, they've clearly like looked at that quite a lot, especially in terms of the classes, especially mm-hmm. in terms of making them a bit more diverse, because it felt very much in the original version when you were picking the abilities. There was always just one ability which was probably better than the other one, so it wasn't as much variation there as there could have been. Dan Pierce, um, if you were both in an XCOM squad, which one would die first,
1: and what would be the thing that killed you? God, Uh, most of the time when I played that game, it was just stumbling into aliens really, but really quite badly at the beginning of the game. So I'd probably be the first person that did that. I think you would be the first to die out of us, too. What? I was being generous. It would be I would shoot you. I I would turn around and shoot you and join the aliens. Wow, <laughs> wow you...
0: well it's me now, otherwise I was just going to hide behind you, <laughs> just going to use you as cover oh, okay. and be like, shut up Chris, this I is a valid to... tactic, <laughs> no don't kneel down, I need better than half cover, stand up, stand up straight and walk forward, wow. that yeah. would be a system. Um,
1: God, that's a Sorry, nice I reacted one. quite badly. Too. That's a great
0: idea for a new XCOM playthrough, every time my squad has a, 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 a member called Chris Bratt, who is somebody who just wow. stands you up just straight. Feel- can you use
1: humans as cover in that game? For, Maybe not. No, I mean, you can... Damn it. You'd have to sacrifice. They need to add that
0: in you, so I can have a rookie who gets killed every time while I stand behind them. <laughs> wow, I don't want to be that. Well, you
1: don't have any choice. It's that's, my computer, mate. Rubbish. It's my safe I don't, no, I don't agree. You don't have any impact. No, right? You no, don't have control You're not allowed to do that. You can't stop me.
0: <laughs> Jake Solomon, if you're listening to this, don't listen to him. <laughs> Put it in as a feature. You can't stop me, all right? This is my life. I'll do what I want. Uh, and uh, finally... Ben Barrett, another XCOM related question. Snake tits. Should we ban this sick filth? I say no. <laughs> yeah, I, think I think snake think tits are beautiful.
1: I think I think it's pretty alright. and uh yeah, I mean that, I don't I don't really know how to answer that, Ben. I mean,
0: Barrett. I kind of feel like while it's it's good to have more female representation in games, I'm not sure if making
1: them literal <laughs> snakes is good or not. But why not? Why not? Listen, actually, I think they were they were just Snake Men in the original XCOM, weren't they? I don't think... I'd... Yeah, but then I guess, you know, that's a good point. They were all like Snake Men,
0: this man. Okay, why not <laughs> Snake Lady? I mean, maybe, the big twist is there were going to be Snake Men as well. Although, actually, no, because I remember when you cut open the Snake Men, I think they were full of eggs. So oh, maybe... no, but
1: they were the males that did that. Yeah. They, the males had the eggs inside them. and Or maybe they were they didn't have a gender. I don't know. I think we've gone off a tangent there pretty
0: we have (laughs) pretty dramatically it's amazing how the word snake tits (laughs) somehow set things off kilter (laughs) anyway um, that's all for episode 43 of Dark Souls thank you very much to now Eurogamers Chris Bratt I always find that amazing I'm so proud of him (laughs) uh, for joining me for this pretty much exclusive uh, podcast about XCOM 2 just with a bit of mild cynicism about the at start, uh, start. <laughs> just to yeah, make sure
1: we had the right crowd listening. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. Like,
0: I don't want to piss on other people's uh, bonfires
1: or barbecues. I know that people love this stuff. I think we're all just... Well, the two of us are just a bit bitter that everyone's excited about 4, four instead. And they shouldn't be. They're excited about the wrong video game this week. I
0: just wish it I was that excited about it. But I don't know. I just sort of think, like... Dunno, I just think they're not the most innovative people in the world and I'd I'd like to see it doing something a bit more fresh.
1: That puts them in a
0: good position to surprise you. I Where really they hope they do. Optimism. You know I think Ooh. the main thing, why aren't there any cars? Why aren't there any cars? That's that's the one thing that's you know, kind of that true. would be my big wow thing. Fallout three was a nice modernization, but if they made it so it's a big place and you could drive cars across the desert, that's all you need. And having to like do the whole Fallout Two thing of having like, yes, you've got a car, but fuel is very rare and very expensive so it's
1: something you use really really like carefully if you watch Mad Max is this I have, where it's coming from? I have right. they do not use fuel carefully in Mad Max That's no um, they, ta- don't. they don't <laughs> As a tangent but they didn't they right? didn't
0: no, they were They were fairly was irresponsible there was a lot thank of you. irresponsible behaviour in that film I'm glad you
1: you agree on that thing anyway on that bombshell <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening and goodbye thank you